grasshopper. Did you think you could fool me? <laughs> it would take more than years for me to forget the footsteps of my favorite pupil. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today we're going to talk about the Greensboro Grasshoppers. The Greensboro Grasshoppers have been around for a long time in their current iteration since 2005. They're the high A affiliate right now of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Later on in this episode, I'll be speaking with Revolutionary War historian Philip Greenwald about the Grasshopper Cannon, and I'll be welcoming back Baseball by Design wildlife consultant Ranger Amy Burnett to talk about Grasshoppers the Insect. But now, I'm very pleased to be joined first by Donald Moore, who is the president and general manager of the team and has been for more than 20 years. Donald, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Paul. It's a really fun nickname that you all have because I think there's uh, it doesn't take too much digging to realize that you're not talking about the insect. You're talking about something else. But I don't think it's it's immediately apparent to to everyone. So can can I just ask you to sort of straight up, uh, you know, since 2005, you all have been the grasshoppers. You were with the team at that time when that change happened. What's a grasshopper? How come the team decided to to make that their team name? Well, actually, I think there's there's three connections to that name, uh, grasshoppers. Uh, the first being uh, in simplest form, you know, you watch baseball and what does the baseball do? The baseball kind of hops along the grass. I mean, uh, that wasn't the main reason there. That was well on down the list, but when you just <laughs> in simplistic form, uh, the ball hops around, hops on the grass. That's, that's baseball. And secondly, uh, when we, we were the Greensboro bats and that's bats, the mammal, not bats like a Louisville slugger. Um, and quite frankly, uh, I inherited that when I started. And when we were building a new ballpark, it was going to open in 2005. Clearly, that was the time to create a new identity. So we started on that back in 2003. And I went and uh, actually found a website. I couldn't tell you the name of the website. Probably doesn't exist anymore. But it was a collection of sports nicknames. You probably know what it is. Sports nicknames. Almost at every level, college, professional, you know, football, baseball, basketball, you name it, and tried to find something that would be appealing uh, to us and hopefully to our fans. There's a good and, chance that that was sportslogos.net, by the way. That's, you know, that that web, the sportslogos.net's been around for a quarter century. So it's possible that you were looking right. at sportslogos.net. Okay. And we came up with a real short list and uh, we hit on grasshoppers and, uh, First and foremost, the thing that catches, well, several things caught me with grasshoppers. One is the alliteration between Greensboro and grasshoppers just had a nice ring to it. Uh, secondly, as I mentioned, the game is about a baseball that's, you know, hopping along the grass. And thirdly, the insect, the grasshopper is green. And here we are in Greensboro and playing on green grass on you know, so on and so forth. There was just a lot of things there. And then the last thing we realized that uh, this was after we made the decision, but this is kind of interesting, very interesting, quite frankly, is uh, Greensboro was the site of uh, several battles in the Revolutionary War. And one of those battles uh, created uh, the British. Uh, this is relatively rolling terrain, as, it, as is a lot of the eastern seaboard. And the British came up with a very small cannon 
and that cannon was called a grasshopper cannon. And lo and behold, uh, I found a company up in Ohio right after we did this that created a grasshopper cannon for us, and it's been on display at our ballpark since uh, probably sometime in 2006. But the grasshopper cannon, because it was small and lightweight, was maneuverable up and down hills and what have you. And a gentleman named, I think his name was Sir William Congreve, was the uh, the person, I believe, who was given the credit for inventing the grasshopper cannon, which made its debut like five miles up the road from where I'm sitting right now. Too funny. That So that was the information that was new to me when I first started researching, you know, the, the Greensboro grasshoppers, you know, because it, it felt to me like, you know, for all the name, all the reasons for the name, you know, it felt like sort of an easy one, right? Like, it was just like Greensboro, we picked sort of an insect at random, because there was the alliteration. And to find all of these levels after that, you know, to me is one of the things that makes minor league baseball branding, really fun. What do you do you find that people who come to the games, local community visitors from out of town, do they make that connection? Does the existence of the grasshopper cannon at the ballpark help them make that connection? How important is it to you to, that they recognize these levels? Uh, you know, I don't know that it's important at all other than it, it sounds good. We created a great logo. The color scheme, I think, works very nicely. Uh, people love the, you know, buying the merchandise and what have you. But uh, I think a few people have, uh, I guess, more probably your history buffs uh, and a real big history buff would have to make that uh, grasshopper connection, even though we've moved this cannon around the ballpark over the years several times. And quite frankly, right now it's up at the suite level. So the vast majority of people don't see it, but it's still just kind of a, you know, it, it, it's kind of a neat thing that's uh, here at the ballpark that kind of helps put all the pieces together now there is one logo am i correct that there is one logo that actually features a cannon or that that actually highlights the cannon in some way or are all the logos just the insect all the logos are just the insect yeah we don't we don't have that incorporated in our in our logo at this point in time uh, okay and then a, a little further you know when you, you, you so you need a name you need colors and what have you, we worked with an agency back then. I mean, we, we were a team that, quite frankly, was we were playing in the, the, the oldest, the oldest full season minor league facility in America. It was built in 1926, and we didn't have two nickels to rub together. Uh, so the idea of hiring someone to help us create a name and a logo, you know, was kind of stepping out on the edge a little bit. But uh, uh, the company we hired is a local uh, advertising agency. I think they did a great job with it. I actually had a lot of input in that and uh, uh i've always thought that uh you know most teams that have green as their primary color and clearly greensboro you know the greensboro bats didn't have green in their name which you know is kind of a head scratcher it's like okay <laughs> we're, we're in greensboro you know let's make green our primary color but i've always been a fan of uh the university of miami's color scheme not their teams their color scheme and they are green and orange, as anyone knows who follows college sports. And there's not that many teams that combine green and orange. And to take that further, uh, back in, in that era, 2000, early 2000s, uh, was with the advent of uh, a color by Russell Athletic. Russell was making big league uniforms at that time. And they created the color for the San Francisco Giants. And it was known and it's always known as Giants Cream. So. I thought, our agency thought, collectively, all of us thought that putting the green and orange together 
on that giant's cream and not against the stark white uh, really set for a, a great color combination. And, and I, I think most people uh, agree with that. And like I say, I mean, the colors have been have worked out well for us. The name has worked out great. Uh, over the years, people have kind of, there was an article in today's paper uh, that touched on us and, you know, refers to us as the hoppers. And that's why, uh, <laughs> nice. but, you know, we are known by, if, if you see someone in Greensboro say, hey, what are you doing tonight? There's a pretty good chance they might say, well, I'm going to the hoppers game. Awesome. And, and, and that's fine. But uh, anyway, we've had a lot of fun with that name and, and I think a lot of success with it. Well, see, this is the sort of thing that we wouldn't know without getting to talk to someone with your institutional memory here is that the the color scheme for the Greensboro Grasshoppers relates to your affinity for the University of Miami's colors uh, as, as a collegiate uh, football team to never, never would have never would have guessed that. I'm, and I'm glad to know it now. So speaking of, you know, you talk about people coming out and calling the team the Hoppers. The the team has had a lot of names over the years. You've referenced the Bats. They were the Bats from 94 to 2000. They were the Hornets from 79 to 93. They were the Patriots three different times, once in 1968, once from 1945 to 1957, and then off and on from 1911 to 1934. They've also been the Greensboro Yankees, the Greensboro Red Sox, and the Greensboro Champs, and another great one, 1902 and 1905, the Greensboro Farmers. So baseball has been around a long time in in Greensboro and obviously deeply entrenched in the community there with all these these team these nicknames and and you know this history going way back when the name change happened how was it received in the community well i'll never forget it it was an october day in 2004 the the stadium where i'm sitting right now uh the risers had been poured out in the the seating bowl there was no no seats or anything in and we made an announcement on a Monday afternoon at about two o'clock, standing on the top of the third base dugout. And I was so excited. And we had a, a mock-up of a jersey. We had the colors, the whole nine yards, and we're so excited to unveil that. And needless to say, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> uh, people, <laughs> people, you know, thought that that was the worst name that they had ever heard. Uh, and for the, you know, first. I don't know, a few months of that, uh, it quickly changed. I think once people saw it and kind of put two and two together and all, but just goes to show you how, you know, a lot of times in life, uh, people aren't, aren't real thrilled with change. They, uh, they <laughs> like change. <laughs> I think that's true. I think that's fair to say in minor league baseball, I feel like people eventually, you know, do come around. And I think people have, have come around on, on this brand. It's been around since 2005. The the logo has relatively unchanged. Uh, I don't know if there have been any changes to the logo over the years. Has it been the same logo since that one that was unveiled in 2005? The only thing that we've done differently is several years ago, we uh, took the grasshopper uh, out of uh, the, the, the full logo out. And I remember growing up, I always thought it was really cool when the Baltimore Orioles were playing and they had the the orange hat with the with the or with the bird on it and you can mm -hmm. see the bird legs and his body and we have a similar hat and actually it's an on-field hat it's an orange hat that uh, alternate that our guys play in we sell a lot of them but it just shows the, the insect and doesn't have the g or any of the rest of it with it but uh, I think we're probably close, you know, like with most things every now and then doesn't hurt to just like remodeling your house and what have you. I think we might, we might be looking at making a few changes here or there and, you know, updating it a little bit, but uh, 
I think the thought is still to stick with it. It's a great name. Again, the alliteration, like you said, it just has a nice ring to it. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's given us a fair amount of success for a pretty long time. Absolutely. Well, uh, so that you actually uh, anticipated my next question, which was, you know, a logo that's been around for 17, it'll be 18 years next year. You know, it, is there conversation about updating the brand? I know the Midland Rockhounds just had success with refreshing uh, a brand while keeping the name. I can certainly see that being something that the grasshoppers would do is to say, okay, look, this is, you know, this logo has been around 17, almost 18 years, but it's widely beloved and the character you know i'm sure the kids love the character and the logo is really fun you know my the sort of two questions i had about it are you know are are there talks about you know updating the look in any way and would you ever consider incorporating uh, an actual canon into one of your logos well that's that second question is a very interesting one and one that we have not um we have not discussed at this point mm -hmm. uh, but the first question yes uh, uh we had a meeting you know, three or four weeks ago, and one of the topics was, you know, can we can we uh, build upon the success we've had with a, and and add a minor tweak here or there to what we have, and create some newness and uh, new awareness to uh, uh, the grasshopper name, and uh, I, I think that's something that we're going to uh, look into here probably this off season and. You know, probably won't have anything ready if we do do something until 2024. But, uh, I mean, I, you can say that ball is in motion. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you, uh, you have, you've participated in the, in the Copa de la Diversión program. You were the uh, Osolotes. I understand. And at the time of this recording, uh, this is still top secret information here, that you're participating in the, the Marvel program. Like I said, at the time of this recording, we don't know what that look is yet. But can you tell me about sort of what it's been like for you as a minor league team to work with the the Marvel artists with that program? Well, it's fascinating, really. And and I haven't personally been hands-on with it, but I know the folks that I have here on our staff that have or uh, have, <laughs> excuse the pun, but they have marveled at uh, <laughs> working with, with those folks. And uh the creativity and, and all that, of course, goes into, you know, what they do. So we're excited to be able to uh, be part of that and to release that logo here uh, later on this week. Well, by the time people are hearing this, uh, we'll we'll all know what the Grasshopper's logo is going to be. I'm just, I'm, I'm, he already looks a little bit like Iron Man to me. The Grasshopper looks a little like Iron Man. So I'm, I'm, I'm making a guess here and it'll be uh, recorded for posterity so that we can, uh, you know, we can know. We can know when this drops whether I was right or wrong about that. This is really fun. I'm so glad to 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 get to reach you and to to talk about the grasshoppers. This is a logo I've been wanting to talk about for a while, so I appreciate you taking the time to connect to me and 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 talk about it. Uh, where can people? I know that everyone can find the Greensboro Grasshoppers online and on social media. Are, are you on Twitter? Are you on social media out there? Uh, me personally, I am not, um, and I guess I'm showing my age there, but. Uh... I think you must just get a lot done during the day. I just I can't imagine what people who are not on social media how much they accomplish during the day. So yeah. so good for you on that. <laughs> that could be true. Yeah. I think that, that's a full time job in and of itself. I believe for sure, for sure. Well, Donald, thank you so much. This has been a real treat to get to talk to you, and I look forward to seeing the the Marvel brand and and any uh, new branding that the team comes up with. So appreciate you taking that time with me. Well, well thank you, Paul. And if you're ever this neck of the woods in North Carolina, but by all means, come see us and, uh, and, and experience it firsthand. We'd love to have you.
I would absolutely love to get out there for a ball game and get a get a Greensboro Grasshoppers Helmet Sunday for the collection here. I've uh, you know would love would, would love to add that one to the collection. Perfect. All right, thank you so much, Donald. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. All right, everyone, welcome back. I am very happy right now to have on the podcast my friend, Philip Greenwalt, who not only is my friend, but is a, a history interpreter who tells the stories of, of our, the history, of in particular, of our country. Uh, I think we're going to, Philip, I think we're going to have to call you the, the uh, baseball by design revolutionary war correspondent. I should say, by the way, that uh, Philip, you are a, uh, a National Park Service uh, ranger, interpreter, history specialist. Now we're going to talk about the Greensboro grasshoppers. I have to say, I was like many people where I just for many years just assumed that this logo was just based on an insect. I thought it was just the alliteration, the the Greensboro grasshoppers. I had very little idea until recently that grasshopper was a kind of revolutionary war cannon. And so I thought I got to get our revolutionary war correspondent Philip Greenwalt on the line to to talk about the the, the these cannons. So first of all, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back, and I'm glad to fill the niche of Rev War minor league baseball correspondence. <laughs> <laughs> and now I feel cool because now I know how to abbreviate that Rev War. Yeah, that's what the, that's what the kids are calling it on TikTok these days. Whenever they talk about it, it's the, it's the Rev War. Rev War. Um, like it. So this canon, right? I mean, we have a little bit of an idea from you know the episode already. It's sort of what we've talked about so far. But can you can you tell us you know what it is that made this cannon unique? Why maybe why it's called a grasshopper? What is what is the grasshopper cannon? Sure. So um, first, I mean, you you have this whole name Greensboro grasshoppers is steeped in Red War history. I mean, Green is Nathaniel Green, the, uh, the general of the American Army in the Southern Theater for the last part of the war, um, and. So grasshopper cannon is a nickname given to a, a very light artillery piece. Um, so artillery pieces are known by the caliber of shot they can um, fire. Um, most are 12, 15, 24 pounders that we usually see. If you go to any Civil War battlefield or, or, or even from, the, they call them Napoleons, they're 12 pounders. They fire a 12 pound shot. But trying to move a 12 pounder uh, cannon, you need horses, mules, and so forth. So Prior to that, um, you have these, what they call light infantry artillery pieces, and they fire a three, paw, three pound cannonball. And so uh, they're easy to be moved. Uh, they've been um, using light infantry are the guys that um, we would know today as skirmishers or, or scouts. So they're trained to move quickly. They're usually on the flanks or out in front of the main army. Um, and so they need to engage quick and they need to move. And so they can't be uh, burdened down by these cumbersome long, big artillery pieces. So they bring these th three pound graph and they call them grasshoppers because they bounce or hop along like they uh, light infantry do. Um, and so they're predominant battles like the Battle of Calpens in January of 81 um, or, and uh, Guilford Courthouse later uh, in that same year. Um, and so that's why Greensboro, Guilford Courthouse sits right outside of uh, the, the town of Greensboro. Um, and they actually have a gra uh, grasshopper cannon in the visitor center, Guilford Courthouse. Um, so you can get to see this, the size and scope of this thing. And so um, they're also, too, you'll see it um, if you're anyone watched that movie with uh, Mel Gibson called The Patriot. And you see the small little cannonball bouncing along where the guy tries to stop it um, or so forth. Those are uh, grasshopper cannonballs. So they're three pounds shot. Okay. You know, I, I said that I sort of started covering minor league baseball and started writing about these teams because the names 
my theory is you can tell the story of America by understanding why teams are called what they're called. I didn't really think about getting into like what, you know, why the towns are called what they're called. And so I had no idea until you said it just now that Greensboro, North Carolina is named for major general Nathaniel green. I had, I had no idea. This is, this is brand new information to me. And this is why you are the rev war expert and I am not. <laughs> so, that is why the local brewery is uh, you can get a natty green uh, or so forth. The Nathaniel green um, beer, go to the Greensboro uh, grasshoppers and be steeped in, in American history. This is too cool. And this is, I really appreciate you bringing new information to me. This is, this is a lot of fun. Which side used the the grasshopper cannons more? Was that largely American forces or was it largely the British forces? You're going to see uh, largely the British forces initially. Um, that's why up north it's very important uh, when uh, Henry Knox goes to Ticonderoga and finds those artillery pieces and brings them down. Um, the United, I mean, the colonies did not have the industry to to build these guns. I mean, to manufacture them and so forth. And mm -hmm. a lot of your, I mean, like any other colony, a lot of your finished products were made back in the, in the home country and a lot of your natural resources were sent there. Um, and so Americans did capture these. I mean, there are forts that the British have. Um, they did, were able to make some of them, um, but we lacked things like saltpeter and so forth to make the black powder to make the fire. So they were captured. Um, I, if I remember correctly, I think Daniel Morgan does capture uh, one or two at the Battle of Cowpens, which is a uh, national military park in Northwest South Carolina. And it's, um, so yeah, these are, um, but it's actually in America where these light infantry and these small artillery pieces are kind of designed. Um, and it's actually a product of the previous war, what we call the French and Indian War. Um, because in York, you line up in big lines, you have these big artillery pieces and you fire at each other. Mm -hmm. um, the British found out that the French, especially Native Americans, felt, felt that was idiotic here in North America. The Native Americans don't want to line up in a line and shoot. So the British had to develop this light infantry and then it carried on into the American Revolution. Well, it's a really fun nickname and I really like this this logo that they have. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it updated sooner rather than later. This is my this is my sneaky prediction here. Just in general though, as a history fan, I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit okay. here. There's 120 minor league baseball teams, affiliated minor league baseball teams out there. Countless independent collegiate summer level teams. You're a baseball fan. Are there minor league logos and nicknames that you've noticed as a as a as a student of American history that you really uh, appreciate or enjoy? So uh, actually, one is pretty neat, um, and it's the Somerset Patriots. Oh yeah, um, they play up in uh, uh, New Jersey, um, mm -hmm. and they're near uh, a place called Morristown. Which um, I know, Paul, you're a uh, native Philadelphian. Your uh, Valley Forge is. Uh, but Morristown in New Jersey is actually where the, the army spends more time, more winters during the revolution. And so on flight day or so forth, uh, they actually invite out um, colonial militia reenactors and they do um, a, a Patriot Day or a uh, Revolutionary War night uh, at the stadium and so forth. And they wear Revolutionary War themed uh, uniforms. So that was kind of cool. And I worked at the National Park there to, to go see that. Um, and then uh, so that's um, the uh, one, uh, they're now the kind of defunct, but uh, where I'm at around Frederick, Maryland, the Frederick Keys. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have, uh, this is where Francis Scott Key uh, is from. And he, of course, uh, writes that multiple, multiple stands of poem that uh, becomes the, the Star Spangled Banner down uh, watching the Battle of Fort McHenry in the War of 1812. 
So from being put on the spot, those are the two that uh, come right to mind. Um, I had to throw a Maryland one in there, even though they are defunct because they're historical now, I guess. So The Frederick Keys were actually one of the ones that I used to point to as an example of a team name that had like much deeper levels than, than was originally thought. Right. Because it's, you know, because obviously there's the, the logo has Fort McHenry in it and it has the, you know, the, the, the starburst over the top, which is apparently the bombs bursting in air. Right. So another one that I learned, you know, sort of after the fact, cause you wouldn't know it necessarily just from looking at it, but the uh, Hudson Valley renegades, and I apologize for bringing up a Yankees affiliate, but uh, the, the Hudson Valley renegades, are apparently named for the the renegade spirit of the uh, Revolutionary War soldiers. So it's, yeah, uh, and it's anything around New York is kind of interesting because I mean they're a hotbed of loyalism, um, and they're actually the one of the towns that stays under British control for most of the war. So they're trying to I guess re reimage themselves about how revolutionary uh, they were, but. Now I probably just upset half the Northeast, but that's okay. I'm, that's I'm okay. an Orioles fan. That's what we do. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get the Hudson Valley Renegades on the line and and challenge them on their revisionist history here and see. Right. <laughs> as farther away you get from the city, the more patriotic they got. So the uh, the Hudson okay. River. So um, All right. yeah, great great spots, but I'm not sure how close to the city they play. Philip, this has been a total blast. Appreciate you uh, coming on again to talk about the Rev War. I'm, I'm going to call it that from now on too. Um, when I when I go to, to to Valley Forge, when I visit home now, I'm going to be like, tell me about the Rev War. And, there you uh, go. <laughs> Stay hip and young, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. And so people can find you on Twitter at ParkRanger86. I think there's a couple more teams that we've named here that next when I when I feature them on this podcast, we're going to have to have you back on because this has been fun. Sounds good. Yeah, I look forward to it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Philip. I appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. Have a good one. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I am live right now with Baseball by Design wildlife consultant, Ranger Amy Burnett. And we are here at Valley Forge National Historical Park just outside of Philadelphia. Amy, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So in 1777... The winter of 1777 and 1778, the British were occupying Philadelphia. And this encampment here at Valley Forge was set up as part of, you know, all of the machinations that went into that war. At the time of this recording, the Houston Astros are occupying Philadelphia. <laughs> and we have set up an encampment here at uh, Valley Forge National Historical Park. And strangely, no one has a British accent. Nobody except for the voice that you use on your... Uh, on your phone for your, your <laughs> notifications. Your, your your phone voice has the British accent. It's just superior. Sorry. You like the British accent? Yeah. yeah. I know you do. I'm a girl. So we're here at Valley Forge National Historical Park because, uh, you know, we dipped into the baseball by design travel budget to come here and do this live recording uh, because this episode of the baseball by design podcast is on the Greensboro grasshoppers. And the grasshoppers are named for a revolutionary war weapon the grasshopper cannon. Uh, of course, we've talked about the grasshopper cannons. There is a double entendre. There is the the alliteration of Greensboro and grasshoppers. And so the logo itself is the insect rather than the cannon. So even though there's a long history of, of the Revolutionary War and, and, and even the name of the town, as we've already discussed with Philip Greenwald on this episode, comes from a Revolutionary War general, the, the logo itself is an insect. 
Grasshoppers are a lot cuter than cannons. Grasshopper the insect are cuter than grasshopper the cannon. And the drink is a lot better tasting, too. Uh, you know, uh, what is that? It's like a green, sort yeah, of like, like a green drink. minty I don't know. grasshopper drink. I think you're, you might have to have an, like a, a mixed drink uh, consultant for that oh, part. Of, uh, you might have, have a mixologist? Mixologist. All you right. might have to get that person for the next interview. You know, I did a project in grad school for graphic design at once uh, where I built a grasshopper. Uh, that had all this like wackiness and the face of the grasshopper was a picture of my French friend with his funny sunglasses on. So you're saying you were a nerd back then too? I was a huge nerd back then and I actually did a project uh, where I researched all things grasshopper and the drink was one of them. Oh, that, oh that's kind of cool. That's how I know about um, that drink. Did you taste it? To just yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... No, it was very minty. I went and bought one at a bar. Yeah, were you old enough? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did an underage drink. That's illegal. <laughs> um, so... Ranger I, I Amy, wildlife consultant, Ranger Amy Burnett. We're here to talk about grasshoppers, the insect. We've kind of gotten off topic here. Well, that's the first time we, that's ever happened. Yeah. I, I think that you might have lost some subscribers there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, everyone. <laughs> so, baseball by design, wildlife consultant, Ranger Amy Burnett. What is it about the insect, the grasshopper, that would make it a great baseball player? What would make the grasshopper such a great baseball player is that they have amazingly strong back legs. So their back legs are a lot longer than their front legs and they're extremely powerful. So they've got these big long muscles in their back legs and they can jump huge lengths in proportion to their body size. So if you were to jump, be able to jump the, if you had the athletic ability of a grasshopper, you could jump all the way from home plate to the green monster in one single bound. So that's what's so great about the grasshopper. The crazy thing about calling this team the grasshoppers, though, that they really probably didn't think about, and I'm kind of picking on them, and I hope they don't come back at me for this one, but they really should call themselves a locust because grasshoppers by themselves are not really that great. There's nothing really powerful or scary about a grasshopper. But when they are swarming and they are called locusts, now all of a sudden they're kind of a formidable enemy. So they really should be the Greensboro locust, but no one wants to be the Greensboro locust because it doesn't have alliteration. There's also, I don't think, a locust cannon in the Revolutionary War. Uh, probably not. Yeah. So. so the locust is non-canonical here. Yeah. Maybe that could be like an alternate brand calling themselves a locust, cause they're, but they would have to be... Are there locusts um, in Greensboro, North Carolina? If they're swarming, then they could call them locusts. So a grasshopper is not always a locust, but a locust is always a grasshopper. Oh, is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the same thing? Or kind yeah. of the same thing? They're so, one's a subset of the yeah, other? Yeah, one is under certain environmental conditions, and when they're swarming, they can, you can call them locusts. So that's what's so scary about locusts is they're swarming, and, and there are a lot of them. So is locusts one of these, like, colloquial names that could apply to different bugs? Not different bugs. It has oh. to be a grasshopper. Oh. Um, but... This is brand new information. I had no idea that locusts and grasshoppers were... Yeah, they're pretty much the you know similar kind of same thing. Okay. Um, but that's why I was, when we were watching the Jurassic Park, I was like, why are they afraid of a grasshopper that's the size of a bird? Like, if you if a cardinal like flew at you, would you be afraid of it? Yeah, if there was a bajillion of them and they were, they were... 50 times bigger than normal because of biosyn <laughs> and... And, and trying to take over the world with their genetically engineered gigantic... Yeah, but they were see, terrifying, and there hardly, was a bajillion of them. But they hardly ever bite, so it's not... And grasshoppers don't usually bite, but locusts can bite. But if you're a little kid, 
you don't know that. I don't know. So like, I if wouldn't you, be afraid of it. If you look at this, if you look at this and Greensboro, you can eat grasshoppers. So th- see, if I were those kids in that movie, I would just grab the the locust and be like, hey, we're like, know, I can eat this. La- I can say this later. We're not going to have any food sources left because all of our grains will be gone. What? But we can eat these gigantic yeah. gross locusts. So in some parts of the world, they do eat grasshoppers. Getting back on the subject there. Um, so you know, Mexico, Indonesia, other places in the world, um, but they like to eat grasshopper and a good source of protein. Tastes like chicken. So if this logo, like if you look at the Greensboro Grasshopper logo, mm-hmm. but it was genetically engineered by Biosyn oh. to yeah. be, you know, 50 times its normal size or and to wipe out. Or if it were out. just near a nuclear power plant. Or if it were near a nuclear power plant. But if it were, you know, if it's genetically engineered by Biosyn to eat all of the non-Biosyn crops out there in the mm-hmm. world, and all you have left are these gigantic Greensboro grasshoppers to eat. Yeah. What kind of uh, grasshopper meal are you going to make? What are you doing? What are you cooking up with a grasshopper? I mean, I think you could just replace, like, whatever you would eat squirrel in that kind of a meal, you'd probably eat grasshopper. Whatever you would eat squirrel? Yeah, I mean, whenever you would eat squirrel. So those people who say, hmm, squirrel tastes really good. You know, when when there's nothing else to eat, you can always eat a squirrel. This is the most off-the-rails interview we've ever done. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we shouldn't <laughs> keep this part in there. Okay, ma- imagine a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah where swarms of Greensboro grasshoppers genetically engineered by Biosyn from Jurassic World yeah. have taken over the world. Yeah. And they, by virtue of the fact of, of having eaten all of our previous food sources, mm-hmm. are now our primary food source. We're now eating genetically engineered Biosyn Greensboro grasshoppers. What are we serving at baseball stadium concession stands? What um, are we putting in a, in, a, in a helmet to serve? I think that their back legs would be like drumsticks. Oh. So then you'd have these big grasshopper leg gr- drums, kind of like frog legs. And I think they would taste like chicken. Buffalo grasshoppers. Yeah. But, you know, in uh, in Native American cultures, they actually consider um, grasshoppers to be an omen of bad luck and hostility. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's pretty intimidating then if you're an opposing team. Yeah. Um, sometimes they can be considered an omen of a change in the weather. Um, and so... If we see a grasshopper today, um, I think we might be worried that the game, the World Series game, might be postponed again. <laughs> oh no! So, so let's hope not, because n- of the because of the game that was postponed last night. We are recording this on November first. I tried to go to the uh, World Series game three last night, and it got rained out. Mm. So we're going to try again tonight. And so at the time of this recording, we have no idea what happened in the World Series. Everyone listening to this already knows what happened in the World Series, and we don't. This so. is why Paul is in a good mood because he still has hope. I'm a nervous wreck. Oh, you think it's going to go poorly? No, no. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. Hmm. Uh, you Let's may be right. Let's just hope that you we don't be. see any grasshoppers today. Because I, if we see a grasshopper, bad, if, bad omen. If we see bad a genetically luck. engineered grasshopper. If we see any grasshopper. Okay. So what else? What else so, about a regular, you know, non-genetically? A regular grasshopper can eat 16 times its body weight every day. Oh. So, you know, those. if it were a ball player, then you would have to feed it a lot. Yeah. That would be eating a lot of um, baseball franks, I would say. Baseball franks. Baseball franks. Um, early hunters thought they could, that grasshoppers had magical power to control precipitation <gasps> and bring about rain. Now, this is what they think happened last night in Philadelphia because the Phillies yeah. got to reset their pitching rotation with the extra day off. So. Oh, so in that case, it brought good luck. Yeah. And uh, in, in some Asian cultures, they consider a grasshopper in the house good luck and success. So. Wow. How about that? So so perhaps this rain out last night, even though went all the way down to Citizens Bank Park and, you know, got myself some Shake Shack and sat there waiting for the game to start. 
you know, maybe maybe it was, and only time will tell as you're listening to this in the future, mm-hmm. whether that was good luck for the Phillies or bad luck for the Phillies. One other thing about grasshoppers that are pretty cool is that they really haven't changed much um, in 250 million years. They were they were here back in the early Triassic period, which is why they were in Triassic uh, Jurassic world. See, it all comes full circle. It does. All right. Well, I think that we've learned that grasshoppers are pretty cool. Their giant back legs would f- allow them to jump from home plate to the basically to the wall. To the green get, monster. To the green monster. Like that's the is that the shortest left field that we can think of? Probably right. Mm-hmm. So that it would allow them to jump all the way to the to the left field wall in Fenway. Though I'm not sure where they would they want would to do that. They would never miss fly balls. There would well, never that, be any home runs. Really. If they timed it right. Yeah, they were good. Yeah. So, well, that's uh, so that's pretty cool as their as their their best feature as a baseball player. Uh, and then when they're the only food source left, that's what we'll be eating at concession stands at baseball games. Uh, yeah, from, I mean they're a great source out. of protein. Thanks to Biosyn. Ooh, Biosyn. Curses. Hey, another thing about grasshoppers oh. is that they would never have to buy cleats because they are equipped with long claws on their feet that help them get a good grip. Well, that is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So they what about catching cleats? How would they be a catching? Like, do they have like little like like sticky things uh, on their hands? Their their hands are kind of like speaking of the Jurassic period. Um, I don't know if T Rexes were around, but they had short little arms, so they're really not good at catching anything. Oh, and they're not pitching either. So they, they have to rely on their back legs and sort of a spring-like action in their back legs. That's oh. what grasshoppers have. Well, they might just be pinch runners then yeah. with their big, strong legs. They're probably quite fast. If you're listening, Greensboro people, you should have called yourself the locust because those are a lot more formidable than grasshoppers. Grasshoppers, no one thinks of you as scary. You have to be a locust because those are the scary ones. Unless you're a cannon. All right, I guess that. Yeah. Yeah, that could be kind of scary. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll have to find some L team that begins with... Uh, like a Lancaster, Lancaster to be the locusts. locusts. Yeah. yeah, I definitely would be afraid of them. Yeah, they eat sixteen times their body weight. Oh my gosh, they'd eat you out of house and home. Ranger Amy, it's yeah. a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining me here in Valley Forge National Historical Park. This was fun to talk about the other kind of grasshoppers, the non-cannon non-drink grasshoppers, grasshoppers, and the non-drink grasshoppers. Have a great day. You have a great day. No, you. I'm going to a baseball game tonight. I'm going to go eat something. Grasshoppers? (laughs) No.